That was rubbish. You're listening to Canary Crime Flyby. Food for thought from a place of faith. Here's Basil Hey everybody, and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to a flyby. Nothing? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I was just going to let that one slide. <laughs> Interesting. We have a guest named Andy Jennings. He is the singer and guitar player for Dissident Prophet. And I love this band. Awesome music. And we're just going to bring him on. Andy, how's it going, buddy? Hello. Good, good to speak to you guys. Yes. <laughs> the best. We were talking about how awesome your accent is, and we're just going to let you talk. So you can say whatever you want about anything and we'll just listen <laughs> uh, we're not that easily impressed Come on. <laughs> but we did want to start off by just briefly talking about you know uh you don't have to tell your whole testimony i know you were on extraordinary intelligence uh and you uh you know had a really long in-depth testimony there we don't have to get into all that but just a brief kind of background of uh life and what brought you to this place with dissident profit and everything else Oh right, okay. Well, yeah. I actually thank you to America for it in a way because I kind of heard. I came to America a few times and I heard the gospel a lot from people in America. That's how I got saved way back in about ninety ninety one, I think it was. And I'd been a musician, dropout musician, went to college and stuff, and uh, and got into bands. And it was, you know, I was on the record deal and things like that. I did kind of majored in graphic design when I was studying that at college. But uh, yeah. Uh, I got saved. I met this great guy called Tom. He's now he's my best mate, and he's the guitarist. He's the other guitarist in the band. He's the proper guitarist. Uh, and uh, he told me about Jesus and he invited me to his fellowship and stuff. And it was a proper kind of church where people just believed in Jesus. It wasn't like a kind of religious place. Uh, yeah. Uh, so just kind of trying to chugging on a bit. Yes, got <laughs> saved in about around about nineteen ninety one, um, and then. Uh, tried to write Christian songs in my secular band. It didn't really work out. It was a bit cliched and stuff. So I kind of packed it in. I offered it to God because now I believed in Jesus and I, th- I thought I'd better trust things to him really rather than trying to run off and do my own thing. Um, I, d- I kind of lost the, the excitement for writing songs. It kind of went out of my, my heart. And, and then about 18 months later, I was doing the washing up, doing the dishes, like you do. And then a little song came into my head and it was, it was a different type of song. It was a song that, I think was inspired by the Lord, and uh, it gave me back a kind of the excitement to do that for him uh, and have a different kind of tack. Then me and Tom got together, and we uh, we just started praying together and writing songs. We were in different bands at the time. Sorry, he was in a different band. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that, it, it, we started writing some songs. We thought, well, you know, the Lord's in this, and uh, we just got together with a couple of other guys who were in another Christian band, and we did a gig. With Iona, who were like a Christian band, we we didn't have a name. And the next gig we did, we got we got offered a record deal, a secular record deal. So we we did that for three years. After your second gig, you got a record deal. Yeah. So all the years of trying to do it as a secular artist, you know, sending demos off. Those are the days when you know things on tape and all that. And going down to London to speak to all the record companies and things, trying to do gigs in London and get A and R people to come along. Suddenly, as soon as we got saved and we started writing songs, uh, we just got a secular record deal out of the blue. It was God, that is that is God. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, Dissident uh, um, Duran Duran's management formed a, a record company actually wow. in in Birmingham where we live and uh, 
they just signed us and gave us a deal and we bought records out for three <laughs> years. So it's that I had to pack my job in and everything and do it. So it was it was a very strange thing, <laughs> you know, all that striving. Of course, when I got saved, I th- I thought that um oh it'll all be over, you know, uh, you, you know when you become bef- part of what kept me back from gut from becoming a Christian and and probably what keeps most of us away is just our own plans. Right, it wasn't yeah. a lack of belief. I think I believed in it for quite a long time. I believed that Jesus was the truth for quite a long time, but then there was my own will that had to be involved yeah you know that's that's a really good point actually that you bring up because people can be christians for their entire lives but until they're you know fully give themselves over to whatever god's plan is they just keep trucking along struggling along trying to make their own thing happen yeah that's it i mean on so many levels i mean that that was what it was like with 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 me getting meeting my partner and getting married it's like a you know you know you, know, you meet someone, you think, oh, Lord, let it be your will. Let your will be my will and all that kind of stuff. You know, you pray those right. kind of strange prayers. And then eventually you get exhausted and you're worn out and you, and you just think, ah, oh, oh, give in, Lord. You know, I just trust everything to you. You know, whatever you, you've got the best plans. And then, of course, then when you do let, let, let do that and there comes a break, then he does move. And, uh, that's how, that's how, it, how it happened with me getting, meeting my, meeting my wife and stuff. You know, I, I, I just was coming back from London one day, having been to see a friend. Great. And I, I just, I was just reading the the Bible in the, on the coach. And uh, it was the bit where Paul said, you know, uh, if, if you're to be single and God gives you the grace to do that, then fine. And if, but if you're burning and all that stuff and he hasn't given you that grace and, and, uh, and you to be married, that's, he's a, that's his will as well, you know. And it's, it was just a case. I just hope, I just offered it over to God and said, Lord, you know, um, I trust you. Whatever you've got for me, if you want me to be whatever you want me to be, it's going to be right because you know what's right for me because you're God, you know, and I'm not. So, um, and it was that week that I met my wife. <laughs> and then, uh, so, so, so it's funny, isn't it? Hey, how these things happen. Basil, I think there's a lesson there. Maybe we yeah. should just, we should just, uh, quit. And just then, quit. and then we'll like get a, <laughs> podcast deal or something yeah the the first ever podcast <laughs> deal whatever that even means i don't even know what that means but <laughs> but andy i can relate to you uh in terms of like being saved and you know the music part of it disappearing like the desire to write music play music all that stuff that definitely happened to me where yeah. my whole music was driven by just anger and just you know trying to prove something and then when i didn't have that drive anymore it was like Mm, okay, you know now I, I guess I have to get into U two and Echo <laughs> guitars and expensive pedals and you know because that just wasn't my thing. The riff is the set of notes that makes your worship song sound awesome. To create your riff, find your root chord in a D major shape on the guitar, and now it's easy. Just move your pinky up and down. Try strumming it as a whole, or play it broken with some delay, and boom, your song is officially cool. But. Just growing up, though, what was the music scene like in England? Like, I'm curious about that because, like, over here, at least where I'm from, we hear about, you know, just, punk rock, baby. Just yeah, punk rock, but yeah. also just that whole scene of like, you know, just this underground, the Sex Pistols kind of genre that came out, yeah. and then you have there's like kind of like an industrial rock metal kind of movement type yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. What was the atmosphere when you were growing up or going through that? Well, I, I was very blessed. I grew up. I mean, I was. It was. It was. I, I was there for. The, I was eleven years old when punk hit, 
and uh, it, one one week people liked ABBA, the next week they liked Sex Pistols, and you had to make that switch, you know. So even though everyone privately still loved ABBA, and we do to today, don't we? Come on, let's admit it. We still love. <laughs> There's a ton of ABBA fans that listen to this show. <laughs> There's a a whole sect of Canarians who are just get together and talk about conspiracies based on ABBA music <laughs> and biblical well, it, prophecy expressed. <laughs> well, I mean the name and the, the name itself. I mean, yeah, come on, I mean, there you yeah. go. It, it's 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 obviously demonic. Uh, uh, it's the father of lies (laughs) didn't they have a song about uh, seeing a sign and it opened up their eyes is that am I thinking of the wrong band uh yeah no no that's Ace of Base Uh, okay Ace of Base alright wrong band oh I've admitted I've admitted that I knew what that song was oh that's terrible (laughs) (laughs) hey at least I was able to you got the big scoop here on Canary Cry Radio (laughs) So you have this band now, and you cut a record deal, a secular record deal, after a, after two shows, and the band's called Dissident Prophet. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Where did that come from? And, <laughs> and I mean, because a lot of people hear that, and they get it, but other people may not get it. And were there any other silly band names that you rejected <laughs> before you got to Dissident Prophet? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we didn't even think it was that great a name at times. It sounded like a metal band, you know, uh, and we weren't a metal band, you know, so w- that was a bit strange. Uh, but I, I guess we called ourselves that just because Jesus was the... He could just cut, the idea of cutting across, he cuts across the, the status quo at the time and, and uh, the idea that, yeah, um, the message of the scriptures and the truth just does cut through and uh, so we called ourselves that really um people have still struggle with the name today because they don't know how to say it you know we've done gigs all over the place we did one uh up in a place called Malvern, where, where you know it's where Elgar guy used to live and uh we played Is a gig there in, and they uh, montana uh montana no, no. <laughs> sorry i'm sorry continue <laughs> the, it's all right the Malvern hills it is yeah, um, yeah. yeah and, and they got that our name they called us i think uh, Descant prophets, they called us there, and we've we've been called descendant prophets, and and uh, I think someone called us profiteroles once. I think, uh, and, and d- dishes of porridge. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on. Dysentery problems. That's uh, another name. Uh, but no, it, it's it's not a great name, particularly you know if you've. Um, Did you ever have like? Uh, well, so that was the first name that you came up with the band. You didn't. You weren't gonna like name it some South Park like Christian rock name like what is there Faith plus one Faith plus one Faith plus one now we we didn't have any other names we didn't even want a name but we 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 didn't have time to think of a name we just got offered a deal <laughs> we didn't have a name that's funny you know it, so so it was quite strange you know you you go through all these things before we you know when it was in secular bands the, the best part of being a band was sitting around discussing a name. Yeah, uh, it's all downhill after that, you know. But um, <laughs> uh, but when when this was a this was about we, we weren't a Christian band. We 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 we're, we're you know we weren't trying to play to Christians and, and write Christian music. We we just saved secular kind of people who 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 now started to sing songs about truth. Really, I mean, we've never really fit into the into the Christian music scene uh, over in Britain. Uh, no one quite gets it, really. Uh, and 
and we've never we fit more into the secular uh, genre, but then they get a sniff of the words and get really cross. So it's like we please nobody. <laughs> but it's kind of the right way to be because no that's that's great actually that's pretty much just how jesus did it um we've actually got some songs that we're going to hear throughout the podcast so why don't you tell us about this first one andy this is a song uh it's, it's called dig and it's about digging for the truth and you kind of got to get your own pick you got to dig deep and find the truth uh it's it's um in a time of deception that's what you got to do so here's dig by dissident prophet Lies are many and the truth is rare The blind lead the blind in vanity fair The truth don't come easy, you got to seek It won't interrupt you while you quietly sleep You gotta do You're found in the secular, you know, you're not necessarily in the Christian 
music stores or whatever. I don't even know if you have those over there. No. <laughs> I don't know why I wouldn't think you did, but it just doesn't seem like it. We've done Christian festivals, the Greenpeace thing and you, that stuff over the years. I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's Christians who like our stuff and, and they get it and stuff. And that that's kind of who it's for, really, I suppose. They, they find you. The people who like you, they find you in the end. So you don't have to go out and find people. I suppose people word of mouth really and people sorry i mean our, our music's really just to bless people like um it we're not trying to be a, i mean the whole band thing is such a strange thing it's such a secular concept anyway isn't it really uh really just trying to write mu- good mu- you know, music about about the lord and be inspired by him and it sort of comes out of your life really i mean i, I like to talk about jesus to people uh, yeah because you don't have to have a guitar in my hand to do it you know but i do like playing music and i do like to express things but you know um so it comes out through that, and God's given, I think he's given me the ability to do that up till now. It might stop, of course, but yeah. he's, he's, he's done that up to now. So. Do do uh, people ever catch on? I mean, I, I was in a, a Americana band over here, and we toured a little bit. And, uh, you know, just because of my influence, I, I was a Christian, and my bandmates were not. But I wrote uh, probably the majority, maybe half of the songs, I'll be modest. 50% of the songs and a lot of my songs would have biblically referenced material, yeah. not necessarily, yeah. you know, yeah. you get it. And, um, you know, every once in a while, someone would catch on and be like, Hey, that's yes. in the Bible, isn't it? That, that's, that's what happens. I mean, yeah. I, 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 that, that, that pleases me that, that that's the kind of thing really. Um, it's not a Trojan horse thing, like it, but it's, it's out there. It's really, it's, it's in, I'm not, I don't want to be, well, I'd explain. I want to be upfront, just and be very, very clear that this is what I'm talking about. It's not like a kind of oh, you get into the music and then suddenly go, oh no, it's about Jesus or that's a trick kind of thing. It's not like that. I want to be very upfront, very straightforward. And that's why I like people. That's why I like band people like Billy Bragg or something. I don't necessarily like his music, but I respect the fact that someone comes out and says what they think instead of pretends, you know, because you know tries to kind of um, uh, how do I say? Kind of, music, music's a very emotive thing and a very powerful thing, and you have to be aware of the dangers of a manipulation, you see, man, manipulating people. So it's best to be upfront and very right. honest and say, look, you know, be really clear and talk about God and, or Jesus or things. But it, it isn't always just talking about Jesus because you, um, it's talking about truth because Jesus is the truth, and therefore he kind of, it's through the light of, of the truth of Jesus that I look at the world. And so when you write stuff, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, oh, how to explain? But what are this? Uh, yeah, I would say that you're just coming from listening to your music, and I love your music, and it's like truther. Yeah, Christian I, I think music. that's it. I mean, <laughs> I, I came to the Lord through that kind of truthery kind of perspective. I mean, there's lots of ways, reasons I came to the Lord because I, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved, and He saved me, and that's the main thing. But He got me there by make by showing me that His His truth is relevant. It's not. It's not. It's not a myth. It's not unbelievable. It's very rooted in reality, and that's been, that's still true. That's right. so true. And more so now. I know now than than then I did way back. But you know, I, I was in the states in 1990, 91, and I had a guy come up to me and tell me all about the pyramid on the back of the dollar, and tell me all about the Pentagon and the Masonic symbols, and talked all about Satan and the that he's the God of this world and it suddenly made sense, you know, 
it was it was it made sense of the world because I couldn't explain the world otherwise. Really, there had to be some reason for the evil in the world. And, yeah. uh, and 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 so coming through looking at things like that i didn't fully understand those things back then don't even now but but i understood that the world was not as it should be and i understood that the book of revelation and some of the prophecies in daniel uh were relevant to the world and that they were being worked out in the world and and as soon as i became a christian within a week i there's three things i can put on my i knew and, I, and yet i didn't know the bible i didn't know a verse apart from john three sixteen, you know by heart uh, yet I knew in my spirit, which is evidence of the work of God, I knew that the Pope was certainly not a Christian. <laughs> I, 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 that I knew, even though I didn't know why, I just knew there's something dodgy about some bloke wearing a dress saying that he's the guy that we have to go through. I thought, well, that's Antichrist. I just knew that. <laughs> and I knew that Israel, there's something about the Jews in Israel that's significant, okay? And then I also knew that aliens were not, Aliens, <laughs> they must be evil. But I didn't know why. <laughs> I just knew. And so but those three things have carried on through all the information has just dropped in over the years that's endorsed those three things that I've, I've known. Obviously, I've, not, I've come to, to consider all sorts of other things. But, it, but it's just a sign that, that the Holy Spirit has confirmed those things. And so, um, of course, you read the Word of God and you, you look into the world and you, you find information that just... Uh, sticks onto the bones of those things and, and uh, fleshes out the truth. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, because we get uh, a lot of emails, actually, about people who are coming to know Christ through this sort of, for lack of a better term, we'll call it, you know, truth-seeking truth fringe. fringe area, where, you know, just the normal mainstream everyday christianity wasn't quite uh doing it for them but when they saw how the bible actually explains and and shows a lot of uh you know foreknowledge of all these weird things that it leads them to christ and it's it's a pretty amazing thing every time i get an email it's amazing so if you're out there and you had the same experience and you haven't emailed us yet do it now (laughs) Uh, and then go and watch ipad goat (laughs) oh gosh for for everybody out there who knows what the youtube video ipad goat uh ipad goat 2 actually specifically apparently gone says i've seen this before i do not remember watching it but i just i sat there with you when we watched it and we watched it again we we watched it with like a couple other people. This is back when we were at the church, the, yeah. the, the semi mega church, and we were we were wasting I, away hours and uh, supposed to be working, but we instead were watching iPet Goat. The seeds of Canary Cry Radio are being planted. I believe you. I just have you have been disconnected. Hello, hello. There we go. Hello, there we go. Oh, I know. Dropouts are crazy. It's a conspiracy. It always happens. <laughs> That's what we say every time. Oh, you say we it as well. Every single <laughs> yeah. time. Well, and it's funny because we, it always happens. And then, like, we're like, oh, it's happening because we're talking about conspiracies or we're talking about the NSA. It's like, that's all we ever talk about. So, of course, it happens during those times. Uh, we love to find patterns, don't we? Um, 
So you should, yeah. just, you should just occasionally talk about the price of fish or something. Just <laughs> something super interesting. <laughs> what happens. And of course, that can yeah, even it'll be happen. Even that, and, even then, that. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a conspiracy in the price of fish. They're trying to eat us. <laughs> the Illuminati's bringing down the fish is is <laughs> artificially well, the manipulating the fish market. Oh, that's official, is it? Ah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So, should we listen to another song? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell us what's up next. Uh, this song's a, it's called um, Human 2.0, and it's about, um, it's about man's attempt to become gods, and it's a bit of an echo from the Garden of Eden where the Nahash, the fallen one, the shining one, lied to mankind and said, look, you'll be as gods if you eat from the tree. And, of course, it turns out it's not true. I do a lot of work in graveyards, and that's the proof that he was a liar. Boom. Spin it, Gons.
Okay, so you've got Christian people, at least people with some sort of knowledge of the Christian faith who are acknowledging the references in your music. I mean, do, do you have any experiences where people are, you know, touched enough where they start looking into this sort of thing? I mean, obviously, they may not have told you, but... Yeah, 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 you, you, you do. Yeah, we, we, we do. It has happened quite a lot and st- over the years and stuff, and folks have contacted us and said, you know, made me real, made me think, you know, um, mm-hmm. about the truth. And, and obviously, with a lot of conversations at gigs and things like that, opportunities and things, it's it's a good conversation starter and stuff. And that's what I like about playing gigs is that it, you can meet people and chat with them afterwards. It's like, and uh, certain things like that. Are you going to write a song about Canary Cry Radio? Lead them all here. I, I can do, or I could just put it in backwards or something. In, in, in <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work that hidden message subliminal. Uh, well, I'll just tape. I'll just take that bit where you mentioned Canary Cry Radio, and I'll backwards it and try and work it, and try and work to see and try and sing it. That would be great. Try and, sing, <laughs> try and sing it backwards with the bomber's kind of accent. Yeah, and Obama's <laughs> accent. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll definitely get shut down then. Okay, well that's cool. So you you've, you're building sort of this. Uh, I mean, I, I find a lot of parallels between what you're doing and, and what Canary Cry Radio is hoping to accomplish. Um, well, I was going to yeah. say too earlier that I've read band, you know, uh, interviews and stuff like that that are quote unquote Christian bands, not necessarily worship bands, and they're they have to kind of like basically state and say what you are pretty much living out through your band, which is kind of funny because I think it's easier to accomplish in maybe a different setting, like, you know, where you are in your country. It's a little bit harder maybe in our country, especially if you're like signed to a certain label that's like known as kind of like a Christian rock, you know, not worship group, but like, you know, like a Christian label or whatever. And then, you know, I'm reading these quotes from these guys saying like, well, we don't want to be known as a Christian band. You know, we're just a band with Christians, you know, that kind of thing. But you know, it's they have to like put on kind of a like you were talking about like a facade, like oh we're we're, we're trying to appeal to you know. It's kind of I don't know. It's kind of disingenuous in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> the trouble with modern day life is everything has to be marketed. I mean, mm. just Facebook is marketing yeah. itself, isn't it, or something like that? You know. So it, it, you know, oh, really, yeah. the great oh, thing yeah. is to strip it back. I mean, we're kind of I, I guess it's just simple. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's it's, it's not rocket science. It's not special. It, it, we're just. Uh, Christians, uh, thankfully, we can make music because we like music. Uh, but um, have a, ha, ha, a what can I say? Just just want to express use it to, to glorify Jesus. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily. We're not like not 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 in a worshipful way, but in a um, speaking about truth way. It's a limited thing. It's, it is just music at the end of the day, right? Uh, and I, and I think I think I think the other thing is that I think music's just all out of proportion generally. I'm glad it's free now. I'm glad people can just get music free because I think music should be free. I think, you know, you think of the old days when people would just go along and listen to some music in a bar or something and they just enjoy the music and that would be it. Um, that's kind of the place that music should should be, I think, in life. I mean, in, in days of David in the Old Testament, it would have had music and sung around a fire or something and, and enjoyed music. They wouldn't have marketed it and think, well, we can we can sell this and we can... We can be mm-hmm. big it up all out of all proportion, right? And that, I think that's been really good. I've kind of enjoyed not having a record deal because when you when we had a record deal, 
you just see the reality of it. I mean, the only reason we were played on the radio wasn't because we were better than anyone else. We had to obviously produce decent music, you know, that was marketable. But um, we were only played on Radio 1 by Mark Radcliffe and Johnny Walker and Simon Mayer because the plugging company that we paid two and a half grand a month to, that th- they they managed them. <laughs> <laughs> so they played our music, you know. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not real. It, 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 you, know, you know, if you hear a band that's famous nowadays, it's only because they've been plugged. Uh, they're good, obviously, but it, the, another good band isn't plugged and you don't hear about them. So, it, yeah. you know, it's all out of proportion. Music's just blown right out of proportion. It's because we live in, it's because of pride, it's because of vanity and ego. And yet music is a wonderful thing. God created music. It's, it's like sex. It's like anything. He created everything. But when it's taken out of its right context, it, it's just rubbish, you know. So it's just nice to be kind of the point where we're just making music ourselves and we can put it out and if christians like it they like it that's great that's it really um uh i suppose as it, right now we live at a point where we've got an advantage people can access stuff for free through the current internet or something so that's a good thing but to big it up any further than that it's just it's just silly really it's just uh hubris really yeah I that's think. that's what i wanted to ask too was you know what kind of corruption did you see in the industry was there something that was just so blatantly against like even for you know like a normal Mm. secular person would be like, ah, this really bends my, my ethics, but you know, I want to be a big rock star. So I'm going to go with it. Well, uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a bit like, um, the, uh, wizard of Oz really. It's just, it's just, it's just the man behind the curtain. Fiddling. It, it's, it, there's no big deal. It, it, it's just, uh, it's just silly and childish really the music industry, I think. But I mean, I, I don't know too much about it. I was obviously involved in it for three, three years, but, it's it, once you've be, you've done it, you just realise that it's, it's just a small amount of people with a kind of strange sense of self-importance <laughs> uh, based around a bit of music. You know, kind of sounds like a microcosm of uh, the globalists. It's kind of like a small yeah, version bet. of yeah. It's true. I bet if you know we we prob- we you know a lot of people truthers and stuff, and you know we 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 think about these things and we we know that there's a small amount of people. That really control probably the majority of the world and, and want to at least and, uh, want to refine that. Um, but but in the reality, if we ever met them, they'd just be probably sitting around in a room sharing the same coffee machine. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they'd be they'd be they wouldn't be like super people. They'd just be like you and me. That you know. Just, well, it's funny because be there was a there was a piece. You're familiar with the Ku Klux Klan over here in America. It's kind of the the white supremacist uh, sort of group cult cult. They're like a cult. Uh, I, Nazi is not the right term, but it's, it's in that same vein, I guess um, just white supremacy. And there's a story and there's a, a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for. Like mythology. Yeah. There's like a lot of mythology legend, legend and it's sort of this very, kind of secret group and they wear silly costumes and they all get together. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of sources. It's funny that they, they were actually infiltrated in the fifties by this guy who uh, was in radio and he got, he got into the group and then just found out that it was, 
it was basically just grown men doing stuff that children do. Like they would, like they would have like secret code words and stuff and they'd be really silly and had secret handshakes and they would all meet at like midnight in the barn and they would have like a secret code word that meant we're meeting at midnight in the barn. And it was all like really they would just get there and do secret handshakes and it's a fraternity. Yeah. It was nothing like that special with the exception. They would wear pointy hats and stuff made out of bed sheets that they stole. Well, they did wife burn stuff, looking. right? Or people. They did, they did commit a lot of terrible crimes. So I'm not <laughs> diminishing that, but just sort of the mystique that they tried to, you know, sort of yeah, cultivate yeah. was all very childish and silly. Another song, another song, another <laughs> song. What's the next song? Oh yeah, um, uh, we wrote another song called um, uh, "Comfortable in Babylon," and it's basically uh, uh, talking about the fact that you know we've got all this stuff kicking off in the world, and uh, uh, it's it's very easy to, to to just mix in and to kind of fit into the world as a Christian, and it's just kind of exhortation to kind of stay awake. Stay sober and be aware of what's going on. So uh, it's not a time, no time for getting the deck chairs out and sticking them on the top of the Titanic. You know, it's time to get into the boat. Happy to be slaves in this world. Yeah. 
when it comes to your listeners, is that the right word? Yeah. Audience. Listeners. Audience. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, well, me mom. it's all right my mother makes up a a huge portion of our own listenership (laughs) which is fun hi mom uh uh i mean it's so you you have a pretty good audience you got people who come out to shows just to see you and stuff like that huh kind of yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um I mean, I mean, I suppose the story of Distant Profit is that we've been kind of um, always been doing stuff, but, uh, you know, um, I've, I've been bringing up my kids and stuff and holding down two jobs and stuff it, uh, it, um, for the last 20 odd years, you know, um, my eldest son's 26, my daughter's 21, the youngest is 19. So it's bit it really, I, I was glad when we kind of stopped doing professional music because, uh, because, you know, really I had to. It doesn't mix doing touring and stuff and traveling around and all that kind of stuff. You can't do that and be, be a dad. Mm, right. uh, and so you know, I was glad to just get uh, the jobs that I got and stuff and do that. And then just and just, but actually, have, from having just the normal, normal life and and working jobs and stuff, that's what kind of like that's what kind of enables you to kind of be creative anyway, uh, because you're living and walking with the Lord through life and everything. Uh, it, it gives you stuff that you want to write about. You don't. You're not trying to write about stuff. It just. You just have to write about things because you. Because it's coming out of um, the real world to live in. And uh, so, 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 um, so you know, over the years we've been on and off doing things. Doing. There's been times when we've done gigs and stuff. There's been times when not. I mean, uh, my uh, my my friend Tom, the guitarist, he spent about five years in LA. So uh, he went over with another artist called Karina Rand. She's from King Seath, just around the corner from here. And she got signed to Interscope, so he was working with Dave Stewart for quite a fair few Ooh. years, you know, with uh, Interscope there and stuff, and having Lou Reed take all the photographs and things and stuff. So you know, he, he's been rubbing shoulders with all. He's in a band with Clem, you know, from Blondie and yeah. stuff. So uh, he, he, that's Tom. He, he's the he's the real kind of guy who's rubbing. He's hanging out with all the top top guys, you know. Um, but then he's come back. He's, he's been back here. For, I think he'd he'd really missed being in in, in Britain. I think he enjoyed the conversations that took place in Britain. He said, so, uh, um, I think LA, I was saying to him, you know, why don't you want to stay in LA? Isn't it wonderful? Uh, but he, he kind of really wanted to really miss living here. So I don't, that doesn't, yeah, Ellie's, Ellie's not weird. all that cracked up to be. I really, we, uh, I don't really personally like LA and I only live what half an hour away from it. And I, I just despise going in there, but yeah, uh, what, we went to LA once together. We, we did. We held hands. Yeah, we did. We went on a little road trip together. Yeah, and well, that's well, a fun, that's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. and we did, we 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 <laughs> we saw a show as well. It wasn't just a you know a trip to L.A. Yeah, it wasn't just a date. It was. <laughs> although you, although I recall trying to get out of a certain area, and you told me to go a certain way, and it was like the shadiest place ever. Oh yeah, you're like go this way, and I'm like that's shady. And then yeah, sh- sure enough, it, it was shady. It was definitely shady, and it was definitely super late at night. Super late, like almost <laughs> early we were, morning. But we yeah. were in a Scion, so we were totally safe. I don't drive a Scion. It's much worse than that. Okay, so let's move on. 
Well, my, my friend Tommy, he ended up going down a few dark alleys in, in LA and, and he, he had a skateboard and he had to, he had to get away from a huge gang just skateboarding away from oh the Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's like an eighties movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's back to the future, isn't it? It's true. <laughs> Bloke called Biff chasing after him down, down LA. <laughs> Yeah. He was okay in the end. A lot of manure fell on him, so he was all right. <laughs> what's what's the uh, like the biggest audience you've ever played in front of? Oh, I, th- I think it was at the Clapham Grand in uh, in London. That's about about ten thousand. Ooh, so, that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of people. That's so a lot supporting people. a band called uh, you know Fish. You know, have you heard of Marillion? That that was that was supporting him. He was doing a solo tour. So. Um, yeah, and, and in fact, you know what? The, the the big gigs are the easiest ones. You know, you get like a lovely on stage kind of <laughs> fold back PA yeah. system. You could basically hear yourself sniff down one nostril. You know, you, you know, <laughs> through through your fold back. You know, it's, it, it gets easier. Uh, yeah. It's when you're doing the spit and sawdust gigs. You know, uh, where you can't hear yourself and whatever. That's when yeah. you're, you're wing, winging it and everything. Yeah, uh, no, it, it gets much that. easier once you get up to that level. And you're doing big stadiums. It's it's just easy. Yeah, I've never done a stadium, but I I do recall in my short-lived you know band era uh, time frame, um, it was like the small cramped clubs that you just you know because we're kind of like a harder you know metal screamo band, so it was hard to like balance between what the sound guy wanted to pump through the PA and what we wanted from our 150 watt amps that are three feet away from the you know the front row yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of <laughs> you know it was difficult to sound good in that situation but then when we would play I, we played the whiskey once and we played uh, a couple other places where it was you know like a legitimate stage and everything and <laughs> it, it we felt like the, you know the guy kept going turn down your guitar turn down your guitar and it was like man i yeah. don't hear nothing and then i can hear through yeah. my monitor but then afterwards all, all our friends were like you guys that was the best you guys ever sounded and it's like oh okay so i guess let the sound yeah. guy do his thing, and that was before I ever did sound. But that's cool, man. Ten thousand—that's a lot of people. Yeah, and it's really yeah, it was, it was, it's it's nice, quite kind of easier gigs to do in a way. Kind of people are you know, you, you know people are there and they're kind of up for it. And I don't know, we, we did a, we did Green Belt. That was quite a lot of people as well. Big stadium there, stuff. So I prefer the, the small gigs. I prefer going to little gigs myself. Right. You know, to see bands than big gigs uh, nowadays. I went and saw the Biffy Beefy Tattoos a couple of years ago, lo- locally just down the road from where I live, and that was like a small venue, and it was just absolutely fantastic, you know. That was it, you're right there, and they're just there kind of thing, and there's Fred there kind of thing, being as camp as he possibly can. It's like <laughs> fun. Yeah, it, was, it was hilarious, man, you know, talking about UFOs and things. <laughs> and I'm wanting to stop and say, oh, let's discuss it properly with them, but they <laughs> want to just keep singing. It's, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> Who would you say is like the most well-known, I guess, musician or band that you got to rub shoulders with or, you know, uh, hang out backstage or something like that? Uh, hmm, I don't know. I suppose we, there's fish, I suppose. I suppose there's some um, stiff little fingers. Remember them? They were like an Irish Northern Ireland punk band. That sounds familiar. Al- Alternative Ulster. You heard of them? No. Um, uh, Ocean Colour Scene. Babylon Zoo. The, the, yeah, there's there's a number. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, you had uh, me at fish. Yeah, <laughs> fish. <laughs> fish is pretty big over here. You know, sub subculture cult. Uh, you know, pothead band. Oh right, yeah. This he, he's just an he's just an artist. He was the lead singer of Marillion, who were a pro- progressive rock band. Uh, anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so so sorry about that. Uh, are you the um, front the frontman? 
in the band or the yeah, yeah. guitar I, player? No, I, I just I, I'm just uh, the singer. Yeah, yeah the vocalist. Oh, the and I play, I play I play kind of like you know the the just the basic kind of filling guitar stuff. Tom's the guitarist. Yeah. He's the Robert Fripp of the band kind of thing. He's he's the man. I was going to say, are we going to get like a tiny desk concert right now? Are you going <laughs> to bust out your ukulele and sing us a song? Ukuleles, I've got a ukulele, but no, just it's not something I like at all, you know. <laughs> who really does like the ukulele? The guy who uh, rips at ukulele. Have you seen that on YouTube? <laughs> that guy like plays everything on ukulele. It's pretty amazing. Let's see. He made a career out of it. Oh boy. Yeah. It's music time. What's next? Uh, well, got a song about the world kingdoms, uh, which is based on the um, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of uh, a statue, different types of gold. And uh, so I wrote a song called All Coming Down. It's all about this rock that comes and hits the feet of it and the whole thing smashes and just gets blown off in the wind as if it never was. And it's about the second coming of Jesus and he's bringing his kingdom. Uh, so, yeah, it's called All Coming Down. Yet you could never have a dream A statue with a head of gold It took a blow to the feet It came crashing down to the floor It was a great big storm It was a rock made without hands It was the kingdom come And not the kingdom made by man Yes, it's all Coming down Jesus coming back Gonna wear his crown Yes, it's all coming down The son of man Gonna ride the clouds again I saw a woman ride the beast But on a forehead was a name Mystery Babylon the Great was drunk with the blood of saints, but all the keys didn't weep as they saw their hearts fall. They watched the smoke go up. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yes, it's all coming down. Jesus coming back, gonna wear his crown. Yes, it's all coming down.
got you into, you know, I guess just in your studies and stuff, just look, you know, learning about all the different fringe topics or studying biblical prophecy, you know, what, is, it, is it just a hobby of yours that you've just really gotten interested in or is it kind of something that you're, you know, pursuing for a bigger purpose or is it just, uh, you know, where, where has your journey been in that regard? Right. Well, obviously when I got saved, um, I was already kind of interested in these things. I remember going to my, my fellowship that I was at, at the time. Are you, I'm a, are you there? Still there? I'm yeah, still I'm there. here. I'm here, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember going to my pastor and showing him the stuff about the Pentagon and about the dollar and the New World Order and stuff. And I remember him just saying, oh, yeah, these things are there, but there's no point, there's no need to, to dwell on them. And it's, you know, forget it kind of thing. Sounds and, like uh, he's in cahoots with them. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was I mean this is a long time back this was a charismatic church I used to go to when I got saved and, it's like uh, oh yeah that's uh just don't worry about that no reason <laughs> don't question the anyway world. look at that over there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um but yeah so so I, I found that within the, the Christian church no one really wanted to talk about this stuff and and the great thing was me and my wife and Tom and and a number of friends, we, we, um, we, we, I remember getting a tape by a guy called Barry Smith from Tom's parents, my mate Tom, his parents, they were so cool. When I got saved, they were like people I used to hang out with and they would talk to me about the Lord and stuff. They were great. Um, uh, but that, I remember, I remember hearing about this guy called Barry Smith. Have you ever heard of Barry Smith? No. I don't think no. I have. Not familiar. No. Um, well, he, he was a guy from New Zealand and he'd been traipsing around the world telling everyone about the New World Order and the last days and all the stuff that we kind of are familiar with now. But this, he was doing this for 35 years. And by the time we got to hear of him, he'd been doing it for about 20 years. So um, he was way back, you know, this is way back in, so in the 90s, it's, um, we were, I was listening to Barry Smith. I was going to see him speak. He'd come to Birmingham. He'd go to Worcester, and, you know, I'd take friends unsaved friends to go and hear him because he would always preach the gospel. He basically just wanted to tell people about how to get saved, but he'd use the current events of this world and the things that line up with prophecy and scripture to, con to, to show people that it's worth reading to show that it's true. And therefore the things of Jesus are truth. And, and uh, also the, the, the battle that's going on, that there is a Satan, that there will be an antichrist, that there's a battle for your soul, but there's also a battle, you know, a kind of cosmic chess match going on. And, uh, so I got into it really early. I got really interested in these things really early. And Barry Smith, I'd, I'd like to thank the guy for that. He's, he died uh, about, about eight years ago, but he was he was faithfully doing that. He he just wanted to see people saved, and people used to get saved at his meetings. It was wonderful, man. It was just great to see people come to the Lord. Um, they'd come through understanding prophecy, but then they'd also come to the cross of Jesus. And to realize that he loved them and that he died for them and the whole purpose was for, to do that. And so, so Barry Smith, I've got to thank him for. He got a few things wrong. I think the Y2K thing kind of, kind of left him on, you know, a bit shipwrecked, but you know, a lot of people fell for that. But a lot of stuff that he, he was still true, you know, that he said about prophecy, the significance of Israel being reestablished in 48, the new world order, the establishment of the European Union, the IMF, the banking system. Uh, interesting stuff. Way back then, of course, it, it, it was uh, he was discussing, uh, you know, 
credit cards and things like that. But of course, everything's moved on to the point. And he, he, he predicted that he talked about the future, there'll be a mark of the beast and kind of stuff, which are lined up in, in the book of Revelation. So where we're at now, guys, we're here now. We, the flood, the water's come up onto the beach. You know, it's, it's not out there waiting to come in. It's, uh, we're there now. We're, 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 we're if Barry Smith was around today, he'd be just like, I don't know what he'd be saying. <laughs> he'd, be re- he'd be retiring. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, so yes, that, that helped him. Now, of course, before, before I got saved, a Christian gave me a book about these things as well. I remember him telling me the gospel and he also gave me a book about, um, uh, called the shaking started or something. And, and it was about credit cards, about the prophecies in the Bible speaking about, uh, you know, a kind of big brother state, in, in, in the last days, in the book of Revelation talks about like, you know, Babylon and New World Order kind of things. So, so, um, yes, I've always had an interest in these things. So it's not like new, but it is kind of new because it's being revealed. What's in scripture in the book of Revelation is being revealed. So things that you kind of understood in the past are being fleshed out, you know, at, you know, and I'm sure more we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have more revealed to us as it as it's revealed. We'll be reading the scriptures and seeing, oh, that fits in with that. Oh gosh, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, like CERN, for example, or you know, some of the other stuff that's going on. Uh, you know, you can suddenly suddenly think, oh, well, I think I'm, I read Revelation nine. That kind of that sounds a bit like that. You know, that's a, the abyss, the key to the abyss, and maybe it, it might connect. To, that might be the process that's used, and yeah, you know. Uh, we just keep an eye on those things and see how you know. Keep keep watchful, yeah. You know, and be aware of the world we live in as Christians, you know. Uh, and, and all these things that get revealed, they just kind of press you into Jesus more, and you realise on another, even more levels, how great Jesus is. You know, uh, I mean, say so when people talk about portals and talk about doorways and gates and stuff. Of course, you come to Jesus. You come to think about Jesus, and he says, "Well, I'm the door. I'm the gate." And so he trumps all these things right. that are that are evil, you know, that are the wrong things. And and I think the the biggest thing I'd have to say that I've learned lately in my life is that God is good at trumping things, <laughs> 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 and I love that. <laughs> yeah, Amen, so brother. Cool. All right, give it to us. Give us one more song. Lead us in, buddy. Okay. What's next? Um, Okay, next song uh, is called uh, Fly Away. It's all about getting out of here. Jesus said he's going to kind of uh, come and rescue us at some point. But even if we die, uh, we, we will die, we will fly away and we'll go to be in his presence. It says in the scriptures that, um, you know, to, to die is to gain, is to, is to be with Jesus. So uh, uh, not that I'm saying we should want to die, but um, I want to be out of here. This world's kind of increasingly not my, not my, not my home. So um, this song's called Fly away. <laughs> oh, dude, that's terrible, pause, man. Pause for effect. That's absolutely <laughs> that was, terrible, man. That was great. Oh, not that's good going, DJ. At all. That's going in. Those guys are good, those DJs. We should do a, a podcast where all it is is we just crappily DJ music. <laughs> Am- it's called Amateur Hour, and it's really <laughs> terrible <laughs> trying to be DJs, and we just lead into music. <laughs> just give like really we try to give like you know like really good djs come out and they'll give like a little history of the song or like a, a fact like a really deep fact that nobody knows 
but we'll just completely make it up. This one's uh, called Fly Away by Dissident Prophet. You know, an interesting fact, not a lot of people know this, but um, this was actually written upside down uh, by a bat. It was written by the <laughs> band's pet bat, and uh, they just went, <laughs> went ahead and recorded it. In fact, you know, they didn't even actually use any real instruments. The entire song is uh, digitally composed um, through echolocation by a team of bats and here we go fly away <laughs> all my sins were piled up high to heaven you brought blood all over me you decided to come down from heaven Seriously, that's actually your voice went all DJ-ish and 
that was could you keep that in seriously <laughs> could you put we, that on we can do anything you want this is this is your show <laughs> i want that please i want that <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna keep in you saying that you want that so everybody knows <laughs> that, that wasn't just basil that, yeah <laughs> that wasn't Gon's just bending to the will of Basil and Basil wanting to be a real DJ. Yeah. And then we're going to keep in this, me explaining that we're going to keep it in, and then the entire podcast is going to implode on itself. <laughs> uh, uh, All right. So what? It's a, bit, a bit like Inception, this is turning right. into it. It was. It's the DJ <laughs> version of Inception. Yeah. And now we're going to keep this part in, and people are just going to turn it off and smash their iPhones. Just yeah, smash them into a thousand <laughs> pieces. Yeah. Oh. All right. There I'm we sorry, go. Mate. I'm sorry. This is bad. No, no. no it's okay. is that, is that the, have we done the songs now? Is that, is that enough? Is that... We're good on songs. I'm good on songs. Do, are we good on? Do you feel good? Should we talk about? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I wanted about? to. Uh, initially, what sparked the, the reason for having uh, Andy on was because you went to Israel recently. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Um, yeah, went over to Israel. Um, never been before. And. Um, Obviously, a lot of your friends, a lot of my friends are saying, Oh, you must go. It's, it's, you'll enjoy it. It's, it's, uh, it's great. It'll change you and you'll get, get it all and, and understand things and, and you'll love it. But, uh, but, um, and I did love it. It was lovely. It's a beautiful country. It's, it's an amazing reborn nation, I suppose. I guess it was all desert before and, um, now it's got irrigation everywhere. It's just a flowering in the desert kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, and it, that's, it's interesting. And I hate to interrupt. I'm sorry. I just saw an, I just saw an article about how Israel has what, like more water than it could ever need because of all these irrigation tactics that they've done. Wow. Yeah. It's it, amazing. That, that, that's right. I mean, things literally grow in the desert there. That's right. They've done it. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, so yeah, beautiful, amazing to go. Obviously, of course, uh, some amazing sites. We went to places that were like 5,000 years old, like Canaanite sites, and we went to, went to Jericho, 5,000 years old, and, um, and then obviously more recent history. There was a, I mean, I won't go on too much about it, but they're, they're digging, wherever they dig to build a, a, a supermarket, they end up bumping up against an ancient, you know, a 2,000 year old synagogue or something, and they have to stop digging, and then they, then they have to excavate. So they haven't been digging until very recently in history. But yeah, fascinating stuff. Really loved it. Went to went to kind of offbeat places rather than rather than on the tourist trail because we had two really good New York Jews who were believers in Jesus showing us stuff and teaching us on spot and stuff. So it was great. Went to place went to where um, Abraham was shown to look north, east, south, west, and shown all the land he was going to uh, Israel going to inherit and stuff. Shiloh blew my mind going to Shiloh where the actual tabernacle would have rested for quite a long time and just seeing it hadn't changed. There's still lots of little bits of plates and stuff that they just smashed after they'd had their feasts and just left there. And that's, that's from, that's from thousands of years ago. Yeah. It just blew your mind really. And now when I read the Bible, I'll know and I can picture where, where things are now and it's kind of the geography, the theological geography really helps you out in that respect. Yeah. But, yeah, so going over there is really interesting. But it, the whole thing with Israel is such a it's such a double edged sword. The whole subject of of the of the nation of Israel. I mean, you know, yeah, it even says in the scriptures, anyone who troubles himself with Jerusalem will be cut asunder. It's just it's just toxic, isn't it? Really, the whole subject. It's 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 full of paradoxes. On the one hand, you've got God is actually bringing has brought has reborn the nation, 
At the, on the other hand, you can see the method that's been used has been an, an evil method. People have wanted to have Israel re-established for Luciferian purposes, I think, you know, because I understand with Freemasonry and etc., the elites of the world, that they kind of highly prize the Solomonic Temple idea. I mean, I, I was hanging out with a, with a Freemason um, last year. Oh, well, we just we were just chatting, uh, having a meal, and... Um, he was trying to encourage me to become a Freemason. It's because it was my fault because I'd, I'd sung a couple of songs um, at this this do somewhere. I should never have done it. And 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 he said to me, "Oh, do you do you do you do play Masonic halls by any chance?" And I said, "I said wow. no." <laughs> <laughs> wow. By the way, you can edit that bit about. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. It was Are you the personal NEC. friends with him, and you don't want to hurt his feelings. It, uh, no, um, I was. Uh, he, he came. He came and did a gig in Birmingham, and I'd went with me with with my parents because it was they love. <laughs> my sister had bought tickets for them to go and see him, and I went along to see him. And uh, halfway through the through the gig, he started um, kissing women from Birmingham, uh, and they were coming up. and And uh, at one point, he kissed this one woman. She wasn't from Birmingham. She was from uh, the Black Country, Cradley Heath. He couldn't find any from Birmingham, but he was kissing them. Um, and uh, this, he kissed this warm woman for about 10 minutes, and it just went on and on and on. So I've gone off quite a lot. I used to think he was kind of all right, but now he's just kissing me the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thankfully, this is a true story, right? My folks has got some sandwiches in the bag, so I was able to have a nice sandwich, a cheese and chutney sandwich, while he was kissing women. So it was, it was quite a memorable gig. But anyway. <laughs> there it is. That's rock and roll for you. There you go. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so I, was, I met this Freemason guy, and I says, is the Solomonic Temple really important? And uh, and he says, yeah, it's really central to what we believe. And I kind of I knew that anyway. It was a kind of loaded question. I didn't get into a big discussion with him. But, um, you know, I, th- I think that they have a real obsession with Osiris and the resurrection of Osiris, which I see as Apollo or Nimrod or, you know, the connection there. And I do think that might factor into them wanting to rebuild a new temple, have a new temple built in some kind of sense, for their purposes. And when you look at biblical prophecy, you, you know, Jesus relates in chapter 24 of Matthew that there's going to be abomination of desolation. And he, he related to a historical event that happened with Antiochus Epiphanes with the Maccabees. So right. he takes a past event and relates it to a, an event, that, that that event which was predicted by Daniel. So he says that it was fulfilled. So there's a kind of t- a partial fulfillment of it there with another fulfilment and then an ultimate fulfilment at the end. So I do wonder if there will be a new temple built. We went to a place called the Temple Institute in, in, in Ooh, uh, Jeru- Jerusalem, which is Rabbi... Um, Chaim Richmond. Uh, yeah, Chaim Richmond. I saw him, actually. We were up at a, a kibbutz on Lake Galilee, staying there for a couple of nights, and he was there speaking to a load of Zionist Christians. Mm. I mean, what they were doing, what, were Christ- what Christians were doing, having a tour with him... He's nuts. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, I was, that's a curious thing. Go on. Um, it, it was curious because, you know, what are they? I understand the excitement and the interest in end time prophecy and regarding Israel, but it's, it's not to be supported yeah. that they build a temple because that's an evil thing. That's going, that, Jesus is the temple. Um, it's gone. God made sure it went in, in 70 AD, 40 years after Jesus. He gave the nation of Israel 40 years to kind of, decide really and then it was like in 70 AD it, it, all bets are off now you know 
Right. Yeah. So we went to the Temple Institute, and uh, it was interesting. They showed us just some of the ar- artifacts they've already made that they say would fit into it, would be suitable for another temple, the menorah and the, the showbread stands and various other utensils and harps and things. And, and they explained that they think they've got a red heifer. And so we, a lot of us as Christians, were, were quite discerning Christians, were, you know, understand these things. We're, we're asking some big questions. And my wife actually asked the question about the what was the significance of the star uh, of David, you know, mm. when did that come into Jewish thought? When, and this is someone who's an expert on it. She said she didn't know, actually. She hadn't got a clue. It's only a recent thing and didn't really understand the con- the significance of the star. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of blindness, you know, people don't kind of know why they're doing things. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, Judaism's a real mess. It's such a mixture yeah, of so many yeah. factions. Um, rabbinic Judaism, obviously, in itself, with the Talmud and everything, is a, is a, is a denial of the, of the Messiah. You know, it's a, yeah, pretty um, pretty brutal too. It's brutal. I mean, we have to be honest as Christians. Although I love I love I love uh, Jewish people. You know, I want them to know their Messiah, the same as I want anyone else who's not Jewish to know the Messiah. Amen. Um, I also see a significant. I see God is going to deal with Israel, but not until they go through. Unfortunately, Jacob's trouble, a time of trouble, because as a nation, they haven't received their Messiah. Mm-hmm. Individuals now, a, an amazing thing is happening is that there are many Jews becoming believers in Messiah. Well, at least comparatively to in past history, and and the people that have a hardest time in Israel are actually Jews who believe in Jesus. They really find it tough. Mm. Well, uh, that's interesting, especially since the mentioning of Matthew twenty four, where it talks about you know when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, flee. Don't even you don't even stop to get your coat. You know, just run. Right. And uh, just run. Yeah, that's that's. Kind of scary if you think about it. Now you mentioned it a little bit before with the the temple artifacts and things, but during yeah. your visit, did you see anything suspicious when it comes to Freemasonry and and maybe the the influence of uh, any sort of secret society society within the actual country of Israel? Yeah, as you as you drive around on the coach and you you go past certain places and the Knesset and places like that, you see that you see pyramids and things, you know. There's a big pyramid, like uh, a like a recent one, or yeah, it's a recent modern one. I think you've probably seen pictures of it on interesting uh, the Knesset and stuff. Um, yeah, you see those. There's quite a few of those around, and you see some of those things in some of the uh, burial grounds as well, big pyramids and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you go to some of the later synagogues uh, that we went on a location, and they have all they're kind of really compromised synagogues that that have got all sorts of really dodgy symbols in them. So things that we'd find, ogdodes and things like that, and things that we'd find, how to explain it, um, pine cones, things like that that relate to the pineal gland. Uh, mm. uh, it's just interesting seeing some of these things inscribed in some of these early synagogues. You have the menorah, obviously, that's fine, that's cool, that's that's Israel thing. But then you, you find an influence of many other kind of Masonic uh, mystery religious symbols. Um, you know that circle with the dot in it, which if you look at the... Vatican from above, it looks like that. It's just, it, or you look at the right. the monument. I'm trying to think what that that's a, an important symbol. Uh, things to do with Saturn. Uh, the, 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 there were various things. I have to I have to digest it. I have to look through my, all my pictures I took. It was it was such a whistle stop tour kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, what 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 really I think really hit me was thinking all these things seem godly. You know, a temple, an altar, the priesthood. And it seems so. 
oh, how exciting, you know, it's all kind of Jewish and it's, it's, it's as it was in the past. But that shouldn't fool you because it's a rejection of what God has done and mm-hmm. in the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a temple, an altar, a priest is a direct rejection. And so look, looking into occult things, those are obviously rejections and always have been rejections of God. But it's very upsetting when you see the things of God that are kind of of him, but now are obsolete because Jesus has trumped it by fulfilling those things. Mm-hmm. And so to go back to the shadow is a backward step, and it's very serious because it's an act, an act, an act rejection of what God has said he's do throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, in predicting the coming of Messiah. So just to see it in real time, to be there, touch these things and see them, it's quite a shocking thing, really. You know, we talk about these things, but to actually go to Jerusalem where this is all going to kick off. I mean, going on to the Temple Mount, you mentioned before we spoke before we spoke on, on this interview the, the thing to do with IPEC goat and stuff, you know, and that, that thing going through uh, the Temple Mount, through to Paris, or et cetera, through to the other place. When I went to the, t- onto the Temple Mount, it felt it was it was not a nice experience. It was uh, very oppressive. I don't normally feel those kind of things. Really? It's very oppressive going on there. There were a couple of Hamas up there as well. And, of course, you have the Dome of the Rock. Right. And around that, it's, it says in beautiful Arabic letters and stuff, you know, God does not begat, nor does he begotten, you know. Hmm. Uh, um, God has no son, Allah has no son. Um, so, it, it, you know, we read in John that, you know, the Antichrist is that who reject, who denies that, that Christ has come in the flesh, you know, that the Messiah has come in the flesh. And so right on the Temple Mount, you have an abomination of desolation already. You, ha- you already have a rejection or an mm. Antichrist thing, just even in, in Islam, because it's, it's, it rejects Jesus as being God and being the Messiah and God having the Son. So it's really strange to go on there. Uh, as soon as I got off there, I felt fine. Uh, my daughter tried to take a photograph of me and my wife and uh, they ran up to her and got her to delete the photograph and stuff because it was a holy site and we shouldn't have any affection between men and women up there and stuff. But, um, mm, wow. but it's okay but it's okay for people to be playing football and have picnics up there, even though it was a holy site. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> um, it just uh, uh, reminds me of um, in Jude, uh, it's one chapter one, but it, only one chapter. Verse four, it says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed or unaware who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our master, uh, Lord Jesus. So it's kind of like, I mean, that's like a perfect description almost, you know, the, th- the very land of God, you know, mm. totally being made, uh, yeah, it's just a, a complete abomination all the way around. It, it, and then these ungodly men coming in mm. and, and it makes sense. It, it, there's like a, a clear divide between the spiritual religion, if you will, or just even spirituality in general of the world and, and the one true God, you know? So it's, it seems like the world, no matter how much the world tries to, you know, bridge that gap. It's a typical kind of Christian message, but it's true. Uh, you know, all the rituals, all the different, you know, belief systems, uh-huh. all the different theologies, it, it doesn't really matter. It's all false, you know, false it, spirit, you know. It, it all profits nothing. That's the, that's the point. Right. Um, you know, hey, what's our problem? Yours and my problem is that we're sinners. Yeah. What's the answer? Well, God's got an answer. It's called death. It's called being born again. Jesus said to one of the greatest religious guys, you know, lovely, pious men, Nicodemus, he says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So, you know, that's that's saying it like it is. So all these things, lovely, like you say, interesting, but uh, but 
profit nothing so far as knowing God and being saved and being redeemed. I know I'm a sinner. I, uh, th- those it'd be nice to think those things would make me walk better with God or something like that, but they don't. Mm. This is why the, you know some Hebrew roots stuff and whatever you know. It's it's tempting to think, oh you no, know, I could I could walk a better life if I kind of observe observe Torah or something. But I'm dead. I'm a dead man. I can't put that stuff on. It doesn't fit. Mm. If I wasn't dead, it would probably make me look better and live a better life and be religious and nice guy. But it's a different thing being saved. Being a Christian is a totally different thing. It's about becoming a new, it's being a new creation. Right. Dying. It's death. Jesus answered, he trumped death by dying for us. And we're trumped death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Paul says, you know, oh, how fantastic it is to be saved. It's, 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 it's an awesome thing. And now's the time to get saved. If anyone's listening to this podcast and managed to get through all the stuff about fish and things, um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 we, Turn to God now while you can. While it's time, because God, God is to be feared. He is Almighty God. He's going to He's going to judge next time He comes, because He's so good. Because unrighteousness is unrighteousness. Boy, I need to be judged. I, I deserve to be judged. We all deserve to be judged. But He He loves us and has done everything to get us out of the situation. He hasn't compromised Himself. But and what we see in Yeshua, Jesus, coming and living fulfilling God's righteousness and then dying in our place so that we who are not righteous can be by free by by free gift made righteous legally in his eyes it's just such an amazing thing that's all the that matter we can discuss all these things and they're interesting isn't it but but what none of it matters if we're not saved if we're not born again if we don't know God and it, it uh, you know I just urge anyone out there isn't sure that they're saved or hasn't decided to turn to God I mean it took me years to get to, to eventually turn to him but um, I'm glad I did in the end. But, you know, there's still time. Today's the day. And it's still opportunity. And uh, But the door will shut at some point. Jesus is the door. There's going to come a time when he's actually going to say, he's going to, the next thing Jesus has on his agenda is to come and get his bride. That's the next thing on his agenda. It isn't the second coming and coming to rescue Israel after the tribulation. The next thing on his agenda is to come and take us. That's his deal. He's going to come and take us. So you want to be part of that group? You want to be those people who've been purchased by what he's done on the cross. He, he's been found guilty in place of us for the immoral, morally indefensible things we've said and done. And it's serious. And once you get saved and put your trust, throw yourself upon him, boy, he'll change you, he'll save you, he'll give you different motivations, and he'll love you, and uh, it'll, and it'll be an everlasting relationship with him. So, yeah, all the stuff, talking about the stuff in Israel, one thing that really hit me, guys, it, it was sitting at the south part of Lake Galilee thinking, wow, this is where it all happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus on boats with his disciples, walking around these edges of this river, this, this lake, and going to these places, healing the sick, preaching. And it's kind of gone away from there. And it's gone out to the world. People in China, people in Ireland, people in Australia have heard about Jesus, this Jewish Messiah. And have put their trust in him from all around the world. But now it's coming back. It's coming back to this land since 1948 and the re-establishment of the nation of Israel and then 67, whatever. The bets, all bets are back on. And things that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24, which wouldn't have kind of made sense, kind of makes sense in context now. Because that I believe that what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24 was a Jew, answering a, a, a Jewish question by a bunch of Jewish guys and a rabbi called Jesus answering those questions, and they were asking questions which they had in their mind. I'm not a Jew. I come from Northfield in Birmingham. 
I don't know anything about this stuff. It kind of doesn't relate to me. So when Jesus says, let those in Judea flee to the mountains when they see the abomination of desolation uh, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, it's an issue for that group of people. And I think that we're seeing a situation in the near future where Jews will read those scriptures of Jesus or those who have read those scriptures will be prepared just as they were in 70 AD partially. It was partially fulfilled when they fled from Jerusalem and the, and the temple was destroyed. But I believe it's going to happen again at the final end of things. And it's going to be the most cosmic ending. I don't think it's just going to be as simple as like what happens in Jerusalem. I think things like CERN, I think it's going to, it's a global thing. It's going to be a global deception. It's, it's going to be technocracy. It's going to be transhumanism. Uh, I think the Antichrist isn't just going to be just some bloke out of the European Union who walks in and, and signs a peace treaty. I think it's going to be more cosmic. We're talking about the most cosmic event of all time. It's an epic battle. So we just need to keep watching that space, folks, uh, and, and keep our noses in the Bible and uh, keep, keep trusting in God and talking to him and being close to him. Boom. Amen. Amen. There you go. Laying it down with that accent. It was <laughs> if that doesn't get you, I don't know what will. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Andy. This has been fantastic. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the music as well. Little musical interludes. Can you let us know where to find your music and everything else you do? Um, yeah, you can just go to dissidentprofit.com and that's it. Dissidentprofit.com. Awesome. 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 Go there. Do it. Buy the music. Steal the music. Do whatever you do. <laughs> You can get it for free, guys. It's uh, it's just get it for free if you want. You can buy it if you're foolish enough to do that. You fools, <laughs> you fools. Um, <laughs> or if you're over in uh, Englandville, go ahead and catch catch you on a show. Are you doing? Are you guys touring or playing gigs? We're, or we're, we're just starting to do some gigs now. We're playing. We're playing Creation Fest. Actually, if you're if you're into Calvary Chapel and stuff like that, I guess they they put on this music festival down in in. in in uh, Cornwall, and so if you want to go along, we'll be playing a couple of couple of of uh, uh, venues there, and that's on the first of August to the seventh of August. I think we're playing a Kingstock as well at the end of August. Uh, we've got a couple of other venues, a lot, a lot of pub gigs as well. So those are just like festivals. Um, Check them out. Few, there's a few other things. Keep keep us keep 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 uh, your eyes glued on our, our website. It comes up in a little bar at the side anyway. So there you go. Check it out. And if you're in the UK, <clears throat> go uh, see him live. Tell him you heard him here on Canary Cry Radio. And then he, uh, we get a thousand dollars. I think. I think you have to pay us a thousand dollars every time somebody tells you that they heard you on this show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to support Canary Cry Radio go and see dissident prophet live i thought i thought you said it was shekels <laughs> i don't understand money um all right so there you go great wonderful this has been canary cry radio thanks for listening everybody make sure to tune in next time but until you do think outside the cage so this is it Spoke, but we wouldn't hear. So, where to now? There's
I just said something really dubious. I just said I do a lot of work in graveyards, and that, that sounds a bit bad, doesn't it? Really? I get, do you actually work in graveyards? I do sometimes. Yeah. Are you a grave robber? <laughs> <laughs> yes. How did you know, man? <laughs> professional grave robber. No, it's just a hobby. It's not a professional. <laughs> <laughs> just to pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you really do at grave? No, no. I, the weekends, I, ta- I I work for the probation service, so I take out people t- to do their community punishment. You know, because they get orders and stuff, criminals and stuff. Right. So I hang out with guys, and we sometimes go to graveyards, <laughs> you, and we uh, we do, do what we carry a gun or a taser. Do- <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, no. Oh, you guys don't carry guns in England, do you? No, or- no. Wow, get no. you guys. I oh, know. Do you have a lot of um, fist fights with police? <laughs> I, 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 only a few a week, you know. I don't. I try not to. Yeah, you know, I'm getting old now, you know. <laughs> yeah, then you guys are just mates afterwards. Um, I don't know why I tried to use that word. <laughs> it doesn't sound right when I say it. Yes, no, yeah. no, that sounded right. That sounded right. Was that right for you? Yeah. It's, yeah, it, was- it sounded like I was suggesting some 
something else. All right. No, no, no that, that's that's absolutely just you, my mates. We mates. So that, that, that's you're, you're turning into an Englishman. You've mentioned I'm, cricket, and you've said mates. I'm really, I'm really trying here. 